I'm Jared Wine with Wine Feeders in Alice, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are always glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the latest cattle on feed report shows that placements into the feedlots continue to drop, while marketings coming out of the feedlots are on the increase. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The calving season in the Texas High Plains is in its early stages. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll have some advice for ranchers at this critical time. Managing expectations in a new crop year. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have advice from some crop specialists on what farmers can do this year on Texas Ag Today. It seems early, but it is not. It is time to plant corn in Central Texas. This is Dr. Shane McClellan and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA released the monthly cattle on feed report Friday showing a continued drop in placements while marketings moved higher. The report shows on feed numbers 4% lower than a year ago, placements 4% lower, and marketings 4% higher than a year ago. Texas A&M livestock marketing economist David Anderson says the report came in about as expected with no big surprises. You know, I think the total number of placements, marketings, they were pretty much in line with all the pre-report estimates. And in fact, total cattle on feed being down about 4.1% compared to the same month a year ago. That's about in line with expectations. But he did find the marketing's number taking a 4% jump to be interesting. Same number of what we call slaughter days in the month. That's the days of the month taking out holidays and weekends. But that was up almost 4.2% year over year. So the same number of days running more animals through. I thought that was a pretty interesting number. It matched very closely the USDA data on cattle slaughter for the month. So pretty interesting, but largely in line with what we expected. Anderson says we will continue to see placements and on-feed numbers drop for several months to come. Massive wind gusts took a toll on Texas Panhandle agriculture over the weekend, bringing dust bowl-like conditions. The highest wind gusts were recorded in Memphis, Texas at 114 miles per hour. That was followed by Paducah at 84, Hart, Texas at 82, Friona and Clarendon had 79 miles an hour, Childress at 78, and Demet at 77 miles per hour. 
Fighting predators in sheep and goat herds in Texas is a problem that seems to be getting worse. Benny Cox raises sheep in the San Angelo area. He says last year was one of the worst years he's ever seen. This year the cow issue was so devastating to me. I sold out of sheep. It's been a long time since I hadn't had sheep. Fought them for a year and I just, the predation issue has been terrible this year. And that comes from all, I mean, all directions. So there's, a, we've got a lot of challenges out there. It's not an easy task. So Cox will turn to guard dogs to protect his next herd. We started another dog program, and hopefully it'll work for us. It looks good now, uh, but the guard dogs are, are, are becoming more popular all the time. And it's, but, you, you know, it's, it's, you've got to manage those dogs as well, and that's not as easy as, as, uh, as some people think. Texas A&M is currently looking for a researcher that will specialize in guard dog research for Texas sheep herds. Spring calving season is now underway in many parts of Texas. James Hunt tells us body condition at the time of calving can have a big effect. With the calving season getting underway in the Texas High Plains, beef cattle specialist Jason Smith of Texas A&M AgriLife says producers need to be mindful of the body condition of their cows. Skinny cows typically yield pretty poor results from a calving standpoint. Dr. Smith says for ranchers who spot cows that are a little too thin, supplementation is advised to try to correct the situation. Recommended assistance that he says can be beneficial, even if it might be getting delivered a bit on the late side for this calving season. The lost ground that they do make up will pay dividends going into the next breeding season. So not only from a calf health, calf survival standpoint, but the potential for that female to go on and get bred again. The other thing I'd encourage producers to do would be to focus on identifying those cows that have made it through the winter, made it through last year's lack of forages in pretty good body condition and focus on those females as those we want to select heifer calves from to become next year's replacement females. Now, as we discuss the issue of nutrition for cows, unfortunately for our ranchers, the situation with obtaining feedstuffs is problematic to say the least. Particularly hay. Hay is incredibly, incredibly expensive in this part of the country right now, and that's where producers really need to be mindful of their input costs and ensure that they're not overspending to try to keep cows around through what we hope will be the tail end of this drought. More from Dr. Jason Smith tomorrow as he shares thoughts on what to consider for those who are thinking of expanding their herds. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Last year's drought can affect this year's crop. Tom Nicoletti has more. Ben Wilson is an agri-intelligence agronomist with Helena Agri-Enterprises. He offers this advice as producers begin a new crop growing season. Managing expectations is always a difficult thing year to year, right? So when we have situations like severe drought, heat stress, that change the return on the investment we had in a given crop year and make us do things that are maybe awkward. Like we were talking before this, we were talking about maybe having to bale more corn stalks or having corn stalks shipped in from neighbors in other areas that were getting rain or taking soybeans for a forage crop, those types of things. Those have long-term impacts on our nutrient balance as we go into a crop year and nutrient balancing is a huge key part of our whole budget for 23 so i think getting a baseline and monitoring where we're at today and kind of reworking that math and see where we can take advantage of maybe things that are in the bank and maybe use the cash we have available for the crop year the best of our advantage 
Stephen Leiniger is an agri-intelligence information specialist at Helena. We think about whether it's silage or whether we are maybe bailing up any crop that we didn't take to grain. There is nutrients that are taken off through grain removal, and then there's also nutrients that are taken up in the stover, and that's obviously the above ground portion of the plant and then the roots too. So when we are removing that plant at large and not just taking off the grain crop, we are definitely removing far more nutrients than what we may be accustomed to year in and year out. And also you think about a drought environment where maybe you didn't even even have much of a crop to take to silage or to bale to feed the cattle. And so in that instance, we'll take phosphorus, for example. You need to understand and gather data through soil testing to know how much of that nutrient do you still have in that soil. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It's time to plant corn in Central Texas. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. Planting corn is a balance of ensuring the soil is warm enough to germinate seed, but not so early that the young plants risk being damaged by a frost. An average soil temperature of 50 degrees at a depth of 4 inches is ideal. When we have soil temperatures that are cooler than 50 degrees, that corn seed can take up water, swell, and then it doesn't germinate. It cannot actually rot. We can have some warmer soil temperatures. We can germinate seed, get off to a gray stand of corn, and then have a cold front move in, get a hard frost, and that can burn any plants that didn't emerge. So we don't want that either. So here we are the latter part of February, and there's not much corn planted in the Central Texas Blackland region. Typically, I expect to see corn being planted in the McLennan County area around mid-February, February 15th to February 25th. And then as you go north of us, they start a little bit later. Now, we have had some random cold spells pass through our area, and there is some concern about corn emerging and possibly being damaged by frost. I do expect our corn farmers here in McLennan County to ramp up planting. There's a little bit going on right now. Testing planters, getting out, checking equipment, putting some seed in the ground. We have received some moisture in several patch and rainfall events, have captured some topsoil moisture. I would like to have some more deep soil moisture as we get into these growing seasons, though. Now, we will need to log runoff top rainfall events sometime in the not-too-distant future to recharge thought tanks and area lakes which remain much lower than we would like. Most of our small grain growers are concerned uh, not about moisture right now, but sunshine. We have caught some rain, but we've had a lot of cloud cover and overcast days. Really need some sunshine to get our wheat and oats off growing. Until next time, this has been Dr. Shane McClellan for Waco for Texas Ag Today. The public can now comment on three proposed changes to state saltwater fishing regulations. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And if you're in the cow-calf business, you'll probably end up raising orphan calves from time to time. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. 
If you're in the cow-calf business, you know you'll be raising orphan calves from time to time. Dr. Bob Judd has some tips on getting these calves off to a good start. It is common for cow-calf producers to have to raise orphan calves for one reason or another. Whether the cow dies, is sick, or just will not accept the calf, it is a common issue. Raising these calves can be time-consuming and will likely require additional expense. Usually these calves that are orphaned are not in good health, and if they are found in the first 24 hours after birth, feeding colostrum is critical to their survival. If you are unsure of their age, it is recommended to feed colostrum as the calf may be less than 24 hours old, and even if not, colostrum has some other ingredients that will also help the calf. Dr. Rosalind Biggs from Oklahoma State indicates at Drovers.com that calves need 10 to 12 percent of their body weight in milk per day. So a 100-pound calf would need 10 to 12 pounds of milk per day, and one gallon of milk weighs about eight pounds. Feeding multiple times a day is recommended from a bottle or bucket, although nursing from the bottle closely mimics nursing from the cow. If you have to use milk replacer, the calf should be fed the same product consistently to avoid gastrointestinal upset, and the milk replacers need to be at least 15% fat and 23% protein. The milk should also be warmed prior to feeding to at least 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Within the first week, you can start orphan calves on a calf starter ration of pellets or creep feed and high-quality hay. These feeds are not very digestible at this point, but are needed to aid in maturity of the rumen. Once a calf is beginning to eat one to two pounds of creep feed daily, slow weaning from the bottle can occur. Dr. Biggs indicates that although milk is not fed for a long period in dairy calves, beef calves do better if some milk is fed for several months. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The public can now comment on three proposed changes to Texas saltwater fishing regulations. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. Texans can now weigh in on three proposed changes to state saltwater fishing regulations. The proposed changes, if implemented, would mirror changes to federal saltwater fishing regulations. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, this would reduce any confusion between anglers fishing in federal waters who then move back into state waters. The first proposed rule would prohibit the retention of shortfin mako sharks. The department is also proposing a change in the bag limit for anglers catching cobia or ling. There is currently a two-fish bag limit with a minimum size of 40 inches. The proposed rule would bring regulations in state waters in line with federal regulations. So that would be a daily bag limit of one ling per person with a vessel limit of two per trip, not to exceed the per person bag limit for commercial and recreational fishing. The change is proposed to address declining stocks of cobia or ling in the Gulf of Mexico. The final proposed changes for saltwater fishing would mirror the federal direct enhancement of snapper conservation and the economy through Novel Devices Act of 2020, which is known as the Descend Act. In federal waters, it requires any commercial charter, headboat, or private vessel fishing for a reef fish like red snapper to have a venting tool or a descending device on board to reduce trauma and discard mortality associated with bringing deeper fish up from lower water depths. If passed by the the commission, anglers in state waters fishing for red snapper would also be required to have a venting tool or a descending device. The public can comment on these proposed changes on the TPWD website until 5 p.m. on March 22nd. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
The last trading day of February made for a higher close in the cattle market, but a lower close for both cotton and grains. We'll check out all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market closed higher on Tuesday, wrapping up the February trading month with a strongly higher close. In fact, the nearby February went off the board Tuesday at 167.50. That is the highest price that we've seen since back in 2014 when we hit 170. So definitely a good direction going in the cattle market right now. As we mentioned, February up 250, going off the board at 167.50. The April contract up 50 cents, 165.47. The June up 47 at 161.35. Feeder cattle finishing higher Tuesday. March feeders up 62 cents, 189.80. The April up 85 at 195.07. May contract up 90 cents, 199.62. In the cash fed cattle trade, we saw some sales yesterday. One reported out of Iowa, just under 1,000 head, brought 165. Other than that, it's all quiet. Feedlots here in the south asking 166 and better this week. Boxed beef prices higher on Tuesday. Choice up $1.41, 289.75. Select up $1.71 at 280.96. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's get started with auctioneer Troy selling that camp for us like they did at Lexington Livestock this last Saturday. Russell Heller and family own and operate. Russell, how'd the sale go? Esther had a good sale, 920 total head with 114 cows. Can you walk the pins with us, please? Sure. All the Packer cows, the thinner ones, 42 to 62, and the better cows, 63 to 102. On the steering bull kids, 3 to 400 pounds, 120 to 255. 4 to 5 weights, 115 to 250. 5 to 6 weights, 110 to 230. 6 to 7 weights, a dollar five to 210. 7 to 8 weights, a dollar to 2 dollars. On the heifers, 3 to 400 pounds, 115 to 235. 4 to 5 weights, 110 to 225. 5 to 6 weights, 105 to 205. 6 to 7 weights, a dollar to 190. 7 to 8 weights, 95 to 170. Good. How do you think the sale shaped up to the week before? Uh, the quality of cattle is real good. We had uh, four or five sets coming off some ryegrass or some short oats, and those cattle were weaned. They sold really well. Uh, quality overall has been good for the last couple of months. Good. Buyer participation, I assume, was good also. Yes, sir. Everybody was there, and everybody was wanting to buy a few cattle. Good. 
Have you had any moisture since we spoke last? Oh, we had just a little shower, but no, it didn't even amount to anything. And I understand the wind blew a little bit. Yesterday it was blowing so hard you couldn't even get outside hardly, but it's, it's fine this morning. Well, good, good. Well, do you know of anything coming for this uh, next Saturday sale, Russell Heller? Yes, I do. I know one guy, he's going to have 20 kids, and that's all that I know of so far. Well, 20 is a good start to a great sale coming this Saturday in Lexington. Russell Heller, tell everybody how to contact y'all. Sure, you can get me on my cell, and that number is 979 820 Russell, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Larry. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished higher Tuesday. April hogs up 45 cents, 85.17. May hogs up 27, 94.40. Class 3 milk steady to higher. The February contract finishing up steady at 17.85 a hundredweight. March class 3 milk up 16 cents at 18.02 a hundred. The cotton market closed lower with May cotton dropping 77 points, 84.03. New crop December cotton down 43 at 83.83 .83 cents. Double-digit losses in old crop corn. We've seen losses in corn for the last five trading sessions. In fact, the May contract has lost over 50 cents in the last five trading days. We did get some support in the corn market from the Argentine drought that is going on right now with the corn crop there in very bad shape. But it looks like Brazil may offset that somewhat. Brazil set to have a record large crop if the weather continues to cooperate. March corn down 13 and a quarter, closing at 629 and a half. May corn down 13 and a quarter, 630 and a quarter, while September corn was down seven and a half, 582 and a half. And the wheat markets continue to drift lower, both hard and soft wheat. March Kansas City wheat down seven and a quarter at 815 and three quarters. New crop July down five. 806 and a half. July Chicago wheat down four and a quarter, 713 and three quarters. In the energy markets, natural gas finished higher. April up four cents at 277. April West Texas crude up a dollar twenty, seventy-six eighty-eight a barrel. The financial markets lower Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down two hundred thirty-two points at thirty-two thousand six fifty-six. The Nasdaq down eleven at eleven thousand four fifty-five. The S&P down 12, 3,970. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.